Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Aaron Shelley. Yay! (laughs) Aaron is an engineer with an MBA. His work with many small businesses and startups created his unique systems perspective across marketing operations, customer support, sales, and product development. From this extensive work within the academic and business world, he has come to understand and deeply appreciate how related our family dynamics are to them. Aaron shows how we can make our families more successful by thinking about our families more holistically through a business lens. Topics can, sorry, topics such as why dating conflict, divorce, um, parenting and parenting, investing, money management, family roles, and developing generational wealth became easier by just thinking about them through this lens. Welcome, 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 Mr. Aaron Shelley. Thanks, Teresa. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, goodness, we've had such a great conversation already. I almost wish we had recorded that because it was just so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's always fun to talk to exciting, interesting people. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really interesting. And thank you. I've learned already so much. So, um, So let's talk about building your family business model. And what does that look like? Start like, give me a foundation for what that should look like, please, sir. Yeah, so it's, there's definitely elements where business and family aren't the same. You don't fire your children. You know, there's things where you don't pull it all in and you want love in your family. But I'm saying at a high level, if you look at a business, businesses, a successful business is producing revenue. It's building its brand. It's building its connections. It's hiring additional people, right? And then it's investing in those people so they can develop new skills. It's trying to keep those people healthy so they can work. It's buying property. All of those things are what a business does. And so I took that when I was, I was actually helping a, another guy write a book about business and family or family business and how entrepreneurship levels are affected by family. And then I put together this model and I said, hey, I think think you should do this book. And he said, no, no, this is yours. But it's so it's really just a, a systems perspective and looking at, well, here's the business and here's how they run. But now if we look at a family, don't families want to buy property, want to have more money? Aren't families trying to build, you know, social connections, join groups, build their reputation? Um Aren't families trying to keep keep themselves happy? So there's just so many parallels that I saw in the resources that families and businesses are trying to get, as well as the different strategies, structures, and cultures that businesses and families use. So it's really just looking and saying, each business has its own business model, like a Walmart compared to a Google. They do different things. They hire different people, but they're both very successful companies. And if you look in families, There's not a one size fits all, you know, you have to get married and never get divorced, or you have to, you can't live with your parents or you need to, you know, like there's no one size fits all for families either. You have some exceptionally successful people who come from all sorts of different families. So it's much more about building and understanding the fundamentals of the family business model, as I call it, so that you can then have your family and your children be successful. 
Does that make sense? It does. It really does. Now, tell us how you do it. <laughs> well, so the first thing is kind of, if you look at your, your family business model, there's really three components. Mm -hmm. You have, what is your strategy for how your business, your family is going to make money and how it's going to survive, right? Is it going to be the husband's going to work and the wife is going to, you know, have children, invest in the community, invest in the children. That's her primary roles. You know, I mean, I kind of look at moms a lot of times. My mom, when I came home from school, she was my therapist. Right? <laughs> so she had all these roles she was playing, even though she didn't have a formal job. Or is my mom going to work and then I'm going to stay home? Or if you're living in an extended family, like what are the different roles and responsibilities you're going to do? So that's kind of the strategy is how are you going to, what's the plan for generally what you're going to do with your life? Where do you want to live? What careers do you want to pursue? Then you have what structure do you want? Do you want to be a single mom, single dad? Do you want to live with your extended family? Do you want to be in a married environment, a blended environment? Those are all structural questions as well as what role. Are you going to be the one who does the laundry? I've done that. Changing diapers, right? <laughs> the cook, I've done all these. Or you, in a business, you usually want to kind of specialize roles, right? In a business, you don't want, I don't want two marketers. I need one marketer and one person who's making the product we're trying to sell. So you want, in a business, you want these complementary skill sets. And I feel like a lot of families now are trying to look for like the same. I want someone who makes money and I make money. Okay, well, who's doing the rest of the logistics of the house? So there's the strategy, the structure, and then there's the final piece, which is your culture. What? How do you treat each other? What is okay? What are your beliefs? Do you believe the world's out to get you? Do you believe that you're the actor in your life? So it's all of the beliefs, you know, do you take action? Do you have, you know, some people in religious, their culture is coming from religion. Like, you know, in the Christian ideology, you have the, you know, faith without works is dead. So that means even if I have a great idea, I still got to go do the work to get it. I mean, you're a doctor, you have to go through a lot of certification stuff. So it's kind of what's your belief system on yourself, on the society, and that's that, those three components, your strategy, structure, and culture, that's what's defining if you have money, how are you going to use it? If you have relationships, how are you going to use it? If you have time, abilities, and your health, how are you going to use that? And if you use those things well, the insight for me is you'll go get an education like you did. Now you have an education. Now you have more abilities. Now you can potentially get paid more money. Might be. So that's kind of the stuff where you look at a family business model is looking at yourself as a business and how do we together, or even if you're a single person, how am I putting my structure together so that it works? Because you can't, Google can't take Walmart's strategy and win with it. And Walmart can't take Google's culture and win with it, right? They have to be aligned. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So I'm thinking now, so first, before I even get into a relationship, I need to have some of these questions answered, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it's, we don't need to, the, the, my belief is that everyone has a business model, okay. like period, just like every person is like, how are you surviving right now? Right. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you relying on the government? Are you working at a CEO? We all kind of have it, but they, we probably have conflicts where we're well, I really don't like to work that much, but I want to be a doctor. <laughs> okay, good luck. <laughs> like, okay. There's going to be problems. So everyone has a business model, whether they've thought through it 
whether they've checked their culture and been like, I don't have a value of delayed gratification, but I want money. So I'm going to try to be a doctor. Ooh, good luck. That's going to be some conflict. So it's a lot of it's trying to define what you currently have. Like you, everyone has belief systems. We have a culture. Now, some of those things, like for my parents, I love some of the things they told me and other things I was like, I'm not going to teach my kids that. Right. My, my mom grew up on a farm, so it was a lot of scarcity and save, save, save. Well, you can never save yourself to wealth. So I was like, okay, I'm more into the investing. How do I get to investing versus saving? So it's a little bit around defining it is for yourself. And I have some resources on my website to help people do that, just thinking through it. And a lot of times it's it can be quite difficult to do because one of the key parts of a strategy is what is your mission or purpose? <laughs> like if you don't know where you're going, it's very hard to align anything with that. So that's kind of, as I say, like you're trying to get those pieces aligned and define those for yourself. And some of it is you trying to synthesize your own beliefs, which like I say, can be difficult. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, you just, uh, you saying that made me think of, I was listening to something about Earl Nightingale the other day, and he basically was talking about goals and the importance of goals. And he said, not having a goal is like, you know, turning on, like, you know, getting into a, a boat and just turning on the engine and see what happens. <laughs> nothing might mm-hmm. happen. You might be just stuck right there or drift in the wind to God knows where, you know, but if you've got a plan, having a goal is like, you know, getting on that boat and setting, you know, navigating a course, setting that course, and then, you know, you will likely get there. But the well, other yeah. way. Yeah. I love that metaphor too, because <clears throat> I think our society has gotten, we have so many resources. If you look at Google map, right, I can put in any destination in the world pretty much and it will tell me how to get there and if i choose to to change that gps where i'm going it will just reload renavigate and that's where i see this like there's so many resources in our society there's so many people who want to help us but i don't think we realize it and so we're sitting there everyone's like hey just tell us where you want to go and then everyone will help you you talk about you know the positive intent and you talk about the oh there's the famous oprah book I can't, can't come to, it doesn't come to mind right now, but it's like, where are you trying to go? Cause as soon as you say, I want to get a degree in this, all of a sudden people will be like, Oh, I can help you. Oh, you know how to get loans. Oh, I could, there's so many things that align. And that's where I feel like it's a side, like, yeah, you have the engine, but I think there's also so many resources that you have in our society. Cause I don't know about you, but as soon as I see people like that, who are trying to achieve something, I'm like, how do I help? How yeah. can I? I want to help you do everything I can to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Alleviate all the, cause you know, I made all the mistakes and I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. So let me help you get there. I get it. Uh, yeah. That's, that's actually the whole purpose of me writing the book. It was never like, Oh, I have this big dream to be an author. It was more, I think I understand. I found this truth and I found this way of looking that can be helpful. And I've been using it for about five years now. And it's just like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And I've helped people with dating advice and I help people with parenting in all sorts of areas, just from tweaking the way you're, the lens you're looking through it and it becomes so obvious. Yeah, and but it means that we have to be flexible too, right? Because there are a lot of people who are, they're just so, it's like, this is what it needs to be and this is what it's going to be, but life doesn't 
hand us things exactly the way that we want. So we've got to learn to be flexible because too, you talked about helping. So I might have a thought in mind and your way of helping me is this way, but I do want help, but I don't want the help that you give me, Aaron. I don't like the way you said things, or I don't like the way you do things. I want to do it, you know, like, how do you deal with that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I specifically tried to write the book in a non-opinionated form. And partially that's because, like I say, there's so many different business models. Just like you can look at Google and Apple and Facebook and Walmart and some finance company or JP Morgan and Chase, all these different companies, they all are successful, but they all have their own ways of doing it. And so when I get into things on culture, I do think there's certain beliefs that can hold you back. But I'm not trying to say you don't have to have them. I'm just saying, here's the option. Here's some of the options. And so that's where, I mean, you've seen, you can see certain people go through life. Like if I wanted to be a professional athlete, Michael Jordan would be, I mean, I grew up in the Michael Jordan era, the guy's work ethic, his beliefs, the way he pushed people. I would look at him and be like, what did he do? And how can I get there? Now, I'm not 6'6". I don't have the hops he's got, but I go like, he would be my inspiration because essentially I'm just trying to copy his business model, right? And that's where you see like a lot of times in companies, oh, I see Google's successful. I kind of want to do that. I'm going to copy that. So it's this whole thing of how do we make it? So which business model do you want? And how do we help you be successful with that business model versus trying to say, you, you got to do it my way. I mean, I, I obviously think it's right, but that's fine. Right. <laughs> Wow. And I can see how that relates so much to parenting. That's why, you know, we've got these people who've been married for years and been parents for years, have, you know, guiding other people, because again, we want to prevent you from making the mistakes that we made. So. <laughs> yeah. I look at, it's like with, I have four kids and I'm just like, I want you to be better than me. I want, I want you to stand on my shoulders. I don't want you to you know, have to make the same mistakes. Although it, it can be difficult, I found to try to teach your kids everything you know, because most of the stuff you didn't know you learned was from mistakes. <laughs> so yeah, it's the so true. Yes. And you can't prevent every mistake, right? But you just want to be able to say, okay, let's reduce the mistakes or you know, make different mistakes. So we're not all making the same mistakes over and over again. And then we learn something from that. So I'll learn something from this new mistake that you made. You know, <laughs> exactly. I totally agree. Make different mistakes. Yeah. Can we, because the old ones I already made, I want you to make new ones. So, yeah, I completely agree with that idea. Idea. Yeah, people have to, that probably think we sound crazy. Do we sound crazy? <laughs> <laughs> to some people with certain belief systems, you would, of course. <laughs> but again, we learn more from mistakes than we do from doing things the right way, I find. So that's well, yeah. No, I would say one. My my dad actually did a PhD in instructional psychology, and when he was in the seventies, there was this idea of mistake-free learning. It was the new thing that everyone was pushing, and it was I think frustrating for him because at the end he was like, "You can't do it. Like that's just not how we learn." And so that idea that would has kind of kind of pushed ended up you know, getting abandoned by academia, I think, because you realize you can't learn without mistakes. That's how we as humans learn. It is, it is. But I can say though, that in the autism field, we do something called 
errorless learning, when we're trying to teach them a skill, but, you know, we guide them through that. And, and that's a whole different thing, you know, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd be curious. Yeah, it's, it's more of, I'd be curious to see exactly how that is. Okay, I'll just show you. So I've got this and I've got that. And I can, if I'll just go for example, because it's easier to pick the black thing or the, you know, rectangular thing. So mm -hmm. which one is black? And I'd put it here so you can see, so that you'll pick that one. So that way I'm telling you so that you feel successful that you got it right. You understand what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. want to have that feeling of success because the child is just learning something and we don't want to discourage by, you know, we put them both here and then they pick the wrong one or if they're coming to pick if they start moving towards this one, I'll just move this one forward, you um, know, so that, it, you know, so, but again, that's interesting. That's a whole different thing though. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Cause you want those early successes so that they, it's kind of the, it's more training the brain in some ways, right. On the early successes. Absolutely. Now, mind you, as they develop, we let them make mistakes mm -hmm. because again, we want life to be, you know, we want them to ex experience life in a natural way. We don't want, you know, because my thing is one of my favorite sayings is prepare the child for the path, not the path for the child. Because if we're always yeah. clearing things away, if we're always making it lovely and pretty, then when they face an when they're faced with an obstacle, what happens? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's where I've seen <clears throat> it seems like there's kind of two general beliefs about the world. Like the world is a dangerous place. I need to protect you from it. Or the world is as a dangerous place. I need to prepare you for it. Right. Right. And it's and you see people, you know, they call them the helicopter parents often, where you're trying to protect them so hard, and then when they finally get hit, at some point, we all get hit with the real world because our parents will die, whoever's protecting us will die, or or move on, and then we're just like faced with reality. And so I think it's it is a little bit of a trick if you're trying to protect, which as parents we want to. But if we overprotect, we're actually, it's kind of like making our children weak. And then when the obstacle appears, they don't have the muscles, they're the skills to deal with that level of obstacle. Exactly. You know, helicopter parenting does not develop resilient children. It makes them, like you said, you know, for lack of a better term, weak because they, they won't know how to, you know, like yesterday, um, I was at a daycare at a preschool and a little girl was falling and the teacher stopped her from, I said, no, let her fall and then let her get up herself. Because if you're always preventing her from falling as she gets older, that fall is going to hurt more. You know, right now she's <laughs> two, you know, so allow her to fall and get up on her own. You know, mm -hmm. don't be there to always stop things because then what are you really teaching? Yeah. You're teaching, you're teaching that people like you're fragile, that you could break. And that's where, if you've seen Jonathan Haidt's book, he has one that's called anti-fragile where it's talking about humans need to be pushed. Humans need that thing. You know, our, it's like our immune system needs to be exposed to things so it can build up. And if you overprotect, you have this immune system that has no defenses. And that's where it's like, I think that happens with a lot of the, the ideological viruses that may hit your kids too, where they, oh, I just am going to believe that. And they don't have the immunity to, wait a minute, if I fall, I'm going to get hurt. And I, therefore I should never do it. No, I have to say, I want to learn. I'd rather accept the fact that I'm going to get hurt or could get hurt and take the risk. I mean, <clears throat> I did, I do snow skiing because I'm in Utah, right? We have to do it. Otherwise the winters get <laughs> just long and cold, <laughs> but, 
I did that with my kids. And at one point I broke my collarbone doing it. And I was like, well, what am I going to teach my kids? If I stop skiing now, I mean, I didn't, I had to stop while my body healed, but if I stopped and just never did it next season, then I'd teach my kids, oh, when you fail, you stop doing the thing because that means you're, it's the end. So, I mean, are you familiar with um, Carol Dweck's work on the book Mindset? Yes, sir. Yes. It's such a, it's such a great book because it's showing you, you need to teach your kids this, the process of learning and the process of failing because that then builds up their actual confidence in themselves. Like I think confidence is earned through the process of failure, not just not from, oh, I got good grades because my parents made sure I got good grades. It's like, no, I have confidence because I've gone through the process. Exactly. And I love her, um, you know, just just the way she does everything and frames everything, you know, the it's, I don't know it yet. You know, the power of yet and uh-huh. just to help children, like you said, build that confidence, you know, cause so many of us, we beat ourselves. I don't know. I'll never get this. And nah, nah, nah. like, you know, you, you, you alluded to, you know, the process, right. It's not about the grades, but the work that you did to get there, you know, the, the grades will come. It's just like, but the fact that you put the effort in, cause I know for me, when I was, you know, in um, junior high school, elementary and junior high, getting good grades was really easy for me. And my mom was so focused though on the grade. And I honestly stopped making, like, I didn't have to make an effort, but then I, I honestly just like, you know what? I became a C student. I was just like, you know what? Cause it's not, it just seemed, I don't know why, but it just, I just felt like to me, it wasn't, I could never do enough. Like one day I came home with an A plus and then the next time I came home with just an A and she's like, what happened to the plus? What happened? And I was just like, oh, you know? So I was just like, you know what? Forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting, <clears throat> I mean, I love the the book Mindset. I read an article was when I was a young parent and I was like, you know, it was articles entitled how not to talk to your children and applying those labels to them so that they're, they want the label. And I, I remember that when I was playing chess I always thought chess, every time I would win at chess, people would be like, you're smart. And then I started hating playing chess because anytime I lost, it must mean I'm not smart. Exactly. <clears throat> that and is- so I, I've actually stepped away from chess my whole life, kind of just, I was like, and I was really pretty good. My brother played chess and he was on the chess team and I played people and I could beat them. But I'm like, I don't like this feeling because, hey, there's two sides. I felt like I was denigrating them. Like, oh, you're dumb because I beat you and I'm smart. Like, this weird label thing instead of being enjoying the game and enjoying the competition, which is what I do in most all other sports. So true. I mean, I stopped asking questions in class because everybody told me how smart I was and only dumb people ask questions, right? You know, cause it meant <laughs> I didn't know something and I'm smart. I'm supposed to know. So I became you know, unwise. <laughs> I did something, you know, I learned less because I didn't ask questions because I was afraid to look dumb. So I try to tell parents, stop telling your child they're smart, you know, and like, you know, praise the process. Hey, oh my goodness, you, you I saw you that, you know, you spent two hours working on that paper, you know, and praise them for their focus and their dedication and whatever else. And forget about the grade, you know, mm-hmm. it will come. As yeah. They, you know, no, I, yeah, I completely agree. It's a, it's about the learning. It's like, do you understand it? Because there's definitely been times, it sounds like you were in that same boat. 
I'd be going through, I'm like, I know this class. Now you're asking me a stupid question. You know, I got a bad grade because I didn't know the name of this small thing in this book that I read. What? Are you testing that? My, did I learn the concepts? Or are you testing some minute, stupid detail that I'll never need again in my life? And that's where I kind of got to this. Yeah, I don't love this system. I, I get what they're trying to do. But I kind of went this with my own children. I tried to push a lot more. Okay, are you wanting your learning? Are you wanting to learn these things? How do I get you in those directions you want to go? Because that's where their their brains all of a sudden are engaged. And it's about the learning. It's not about, well, did you get the grade? Exactly. And I love that you just said to help you in the direction that you want to go. Because so often we try to push children in the direction that we want them to go because of the fact that we didn't do it ourselves and we want, you know, well, you've got to do this or, you know, like find out from your child where they want to go and then guide them in that way. Well, the funny story. So my oldest child is a daughter and, and then I have a son I spent, and I was in the time when everyone was like, the reason that there's no, not more women in tech is because they're not getting good at math and sciences and all this stuff. So I was like, that's not going to happen with my kid. We did computer science. She was programming apps. I taught her Photoshop, everything, you know, all the sciences. She did physics. And then I was like, so what do you want to do? And this is this is kind of, an, I think she would have been like 10th grade. You know, she's like, well, I'm thinking like maybe a veterinarian because she loved animals and the biology, maybe a doctor, maybe a nurse, or maybe a computer science, <laughs> computer scientist. And I'm like, Come on, Evie, really? Are you just throwing me a bone? She's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And I was just, <laughs> and, and I wasn't that I wanted to push her there. I just wanted her to have the option. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, how do I give you as a parent a full, I want you to have the full banquet to choose from. But then I felt like my job as a parent was to help her whittle down. Cause I look at, you know, when, when especially when you're looking at career choices, it's like, okay, what can you make money at? That's good. What are you interested in? Also important. Otherwise, life is pretty crappy. And then the last one is, but what do you want in your life? What, is, what are your life goals? And trying to find the intersection, kind of the Venn diagram of those three of like what you enjoy and it makes money and it fits your life goals. That's, I think, the thing that parents need to help the children, you know, whittle them down. Because like with my daughter, she ended up going into nursing because she's like, well, it gives me good money. If I want to get married earlier, I can without having this nine or 10 year stint becoming a doctor veterinarian. And then she did get she ended up getting married and now she's doing great. So I think there's this point of we don't want to push the kids where we want to go. I didn't work for me. But there's also a side where I think if we leave too many options, like when I went to college, it was like, what do you want to do for your major? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I Well, you did good in math and science. Maybe you want to do engineering. And then I got into mechanical engineering. I actually really enjoyed it. But I took a whole bunch of other classes as well. And then I actually ended up moving to business because of I was frustrated with how the business people were doing it. So that's kind of where I think our goal is to try to help people on their journey and, and be a guide, but not be a, <laughs> I mean, how frustrated would it be if you went onto Google Maps and it kept putting you to a location you didn't want to go? You'd be <laughs> like, screw this thing, I'm out. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It once took me to a lake and I was trying to get to a school. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. It does that. It does that too many times. And that's maybe what I think parents get in trouble. If, it, if you keep trying to take your kids where you want them to go instead of where they want to go, then the kids will stop listening to you because you're this annoying voice. But if you're the one helping them, I, I always considered myself like, I want to be a, a rocket booster on my kids. Like, I don't want to determine direction necessarily, but when they choose one, I want to help get them there faster and, and, and help do everything I can to help them achieve that. Absolutely. And I think too, that's probably why it took me so long to get my bachelor's degree. Cause I, you know, I started off in psychology. Then I was just like, Oh, I don't know. Cause I wanted to be a psychologist, but then I'd be, you know, like the whole, you know, length of time in school. So then I did hairdressing. I did computer repair. I did uh, baking. I did, I mean, I did all kinds of things. I became a hairdresser. Then I was a caterer. And then, I mean, just, you name it. Then I went back to school, finished my bachelor's degree and now here I am, went and did a master's and, you know, but it just took me so long because I, first of all, I didn't have that guidance because my mom was just like, you know, well, she wanted me to be an attorney or a doctor and I didn't want to be either one of those things. So mm -hmm. I was, that was it. So it's just like, girl, you're on your own. And, um, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, I think a big that's, that's where I think that helping your kids, and that's why I like the tools in the book is like, how do you help your kids make a business model that'll be successful, mm -hmm. right? It's it's really looking at the pieces and how am I helping you build this and helping those things get aligned so that you'll be successful? Because I mean, the business model is in my mind is the engine that produces wealth, right? It's, it's you, you've talked about, you know, you're gonna, you may do some some online training and some online thing. Well, all of a sudden you'll have the ability to meet so many more people and serve so many more people, but it'll cost more and you'll have to buy other things, but you know, then you'll be able to make more money potentially, but then you'll use that money to reach more people, you know? So it's this, that's the thing, same thing. It's like, that's a great business model if you can make it work. And that's where I see with us as parents, how do we help our kids make good decisions and not say you have to do this? Cause I know so many women who are attorneys and they're just like, I hate this. Like I went, I did all this schooling. I don't even like this. This job sucks. I interact. I sit and read all day. Then I have to argue all day. And then I, even on the weekend, people are calling me. This isn't what I signed. This isn't what I wanted for my life. And that's, but they're kind of in this, but I have student loans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of in this weird stuck space. And that's where I think the tragedy lies is why hurt people like that in an effort <laughs> to make them quote unquote successful. Right. Yes. And we have to change our definition of success, I think. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the big things I talk about is I think we've pushed our whole society so far towards money equals success, more money equals success. And it's so comical because I said, okay, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. Your friends are going to hate you. Your family's going to hate you. If you ruin all your social relationships for money, it's not worth it. Yeah. Or, or would I, you know, you're a billionaire, but now you're dying of cancer because you didn't have good health. That's, that's not wealth. And yeah. so I think we have to expand our definition to include these social resources and to include these human resources. Like if you have a life where you're just bored with it, you don't have purpose. Is that, who cares how much money you're making? Who can, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're going to hate your job. And I think, so there's either the, do you know, if you know where you're going, 
And it's, it's so inspiring to talk to someone like you or you're like, I'm going to work with these children. Then I went and got this. And now, I've, now I'm working with these very small children because that's the place I feel like I should be. You know where you're going. And it's not like, well, I just need to make millions of dollars. And that's my big goal. It's like, no, I'm trying to have an impact on the world. And so, you know, having that meaningful, I, I call that, that's part of your spiritual and emotional health. There's every job has crap to it. But if the crap that you go through has these outcomes that are aligned with your purpose, you'll be fulfilled, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and the same thing I was watching by Earl Nightingale, he said, well, listen, if you want, you know, a successful person is a person who enjoys doing what they're doing. So if a teacher enjoys teaching, then you are successful. You know, it's not about the money. Cause like you said, at the end of the day, if it doesn't matter how much money you have, if you're miserable or if you like, I remember I had one job and it paid me really, really well, but every day I went, there, I was just like, Oh, you know, and I, I took all the mental health days that I could. You know? <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I was, just, it was, it was just really difficult getting up every day and going, yes, payday was lovely, but that was the only really bright spot in my day. And I, you know, I went because they were also paying for me to go when I did finally decided to finish that bachelor's degree mm -hmm. for it. So it's just like, yay. And, um, so it's just like, I can sacrifice just one more year and get this done. But as soon as I get that degree, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm seriously. Well, well, and that's, that's, what's so important that you say that, like, listen to what you're saying. I was willing to sacrifice so I could accomplish my purpose. Right. I mean, if you look at everything, what in life is meaningful? I mean, I haven't gone through, like, there's no children who come into this world without the mother sacrificing to get them here. Do you know what I mean? It's physical, it's emotional, there's hormones, there's so many things. And it's a sacrifice. But I've never, I've, I've never met a mom who's like, yeah, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't have these kids. They're like, nope, it sure it was hard, but it was the best thing. And, and that's where I see so much in life. Like, the things you're willing to sacrifice for are the things that give you meaning and the things that you look back on in life and say, I had a fulfilling life and I'm glad I did that. You know, it's not this, well, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have had kids. Then I'd have more money. Then I'd be lonely. I would to be so much funner. You know, it's, it's just this weird idea. And that's why I like to expand it to include social connections because Man, when you're making an impact in your community, you're making an impact in your family, you have those good relationships. I mean, at one point, my son, he needed to get through calculus in ninth grade. There was this weird situation in his schooling. And so I said, I'm going to take time off work. And it probably ended up costing me about $10,000 to do this. But over two months, every other day, I would spend eight hours with him working through calculus on a college class. And it was like, would I take it back so I could have the money? What does it, what does it represent? A vacation? A, a, a used car? Like, but he and I's relationship was so much, is so, there's a lot of, we have that investment, we have that sacrifice. And then where he was accelerated to in school, that was worth it. So that's kind of the place where I think you need to look at things holistically, not just this, well, if we make good money, that's the only metric. It's no, if you make good money and you have good social connections and you have good human con human resources, those things together make a meaningful life. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I'm going to put a period and a 
an exclamation mark. That's what I meant. An exclamation mark on that. Cause that is, that's so profound. And it's so true because without, you know, again, money by itself does not make for a happy life. So. It makes for a miserable, I mean, <laughs> the weird thing that I've seen is there was a woman who her dad died and she got $20 million when she was 18, yeah. right? She's on her fourth marriage or fifth marriage now. She's bought and sold companies and not done well with them because she doesn't know how to run them. And so you look at this, like, even if I were to give you those resources, your business model does not know what to do with it. Right. right? That's the thing. If I were to give you, you know, money, then I'd be like, oh, I know what she's going to do. She's going to go expand her business. She's going to go try to serve more people. That's you, you can, you can take money with your business model, but if I give it to someone else, a lottery winners have this, they don't know how to use it. And it's the same with other resources as well, right? If I gave you a relationship, Hey, Teresa, here's this opportunity to go interact with Bill Gates or Elon Musk or some rich person who could have big influence. And you're like, whatever. And you treat them like crap. Then you've burnt that relationship because you don't know how to maintain and keep and be useful in your relationships. Right. So there's this interesting thing of I can't give you resources. And this that's the meaning of success, right? A successful McDonald's is not one that has a lot of money. It's a, it's one that a lot of people like to go to. I mean, you look at Chick-fil-A down in Florida. <laughs> Those things. <laughs> I'm like, everyone likes to go there. Therefore, you have these lines out the door because they're serving lots of people. Then they're getting more money. And then what do they do with that money? Well, we're going to serve more people. And that's the beauty of. I think capitalism and as well as, you know, in the family flywheel stuff, it's the beauty of this circular thing. Like the more money I give to successful, motivated people, the more I get. Mm -hmm. But if I take it, you know, if I went to a homeless guy and said, you know, here's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, it would probably take him a month before it was all gone. Yep. And it's not because he's bad. It's just his business model is not built out. He maybe get robbed from, you know, like, wasted on drug there's so many places that he just doesn't know how to deal with that type of responsibility or those resources so i think it's super important for us as parents to try to build our kids business models you know how do we teach them how to interact with our social connections so that we can help accelerate them with those things how do we help learn that teach them how to use money so that we can give them some money so that they can actually use it well you know how do we teach them how to use their time well and their energy so that they're going, oh, I'm going to go get educated. Maybe it's going to college. Maybe it's just, I mean, Elon Musk learned how to be a rocket scientist without going to college. So you can learn a lot of stuff through through online classes, through books, through podcasts. So that's, that's where I look at it. Like we have so many resources. And if you have a good business model right now, you can become wealthy fairly, I mean, wealthy holistically, not in terms of a billionaire, but you can become well off in our society fairly easily right yeah that's it and you know it's being able to be resourceful with these resources right yeah. Yeah. well that's and that's part of what i do too is like are you aware of how many resources you really have mm -hmm. right i mean i don't know how you got through college i mean i got through college it was there were some scholarships my parents helped me then i had professors who helped me and i got jobs there were so many different people who helped me at different places and i think most people look at themselves and think, I got nothing. I have no money in the bank. Yeah, but are you related? You know, oh, if you're a US citizen, man, you could get loans to go, you could go to the military and they could help you. You could, you could, there's so many different options that people 
could take if they knew about them. And I think people make the best decisions that they have, they, they perceive they have available to them. If they don't think they have that option, then they won't do it. And so that's, again, that's like kind of expand people's resources to your point so that they can be resourceful and say, oh, I really could go to college or I really could go do this. Or I really, I mean, I was watching a YouTube video of a guy who worked in the military as a nuclear engineer. And then now he's a billionaire on a private jet, you know, 20 years later. And I'm like, those that's very far from the start where, you know, working on those subs and those nuclear engineer stuff is not a fun job. It's not a high level job either. And yet now he's super successful because of the discipline and the the values, I think, that probably the military helped him with. Awesome. Well, Aaron, we've had quite the conversation, haven't we? <laughs> yep. It's been fun, both while we've recorded and before we recorded. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Now, if there's one thing you want parents to leave this moment with, what would that be? One thing. Well, we didn't talk about it. I would say I I never realized this as a father, the impact that I could have on my children. And I, I know mothers, they have massive impact. There's a, in my book, I cite like 50 different things that women, if they don't have a mother, then they have a problem with. But as a father, I never realized like one specific statistic was if I, if my, if you don't engage with your kids as, and they don't have a father, then your sons will have 15 point lower IQ. And I was like, wait, what? So I think for a lot of men specifically, they don't realize what the investment in their children can actually do and actually does. And so I think kids, parents, you know, men especially will be like, I'm just going to work. I'm just going to work instead of, wait, if I just work, I'm sacrificing my children on this altar of money. And so I think for parents, entire, both of them, it's investing in your children I mean, you're a great example in there as early age, it, it goes by so fast, but if you invest in your children, the payoffs are massive and don't under, and don't underestimate your ability as a parent to have massive impacts on your children. Awesome. Now tell us, Aaron, where can, first of all, the name of your book and where can we find it? <clears throat> so the book, let's see, it's called the family flywheel. Um, you can find it on Amazon. I've also got a website called thefamilyflywheel.com. You can go there. It's got the blog. It's got some resources that go along with the book, um, some forms you can fill out to help you get to your business model. It has the visual to show how all these things are related. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Aaron K. Shelley. I'm on Facebook as well, Aaron K. Shelley. And then if you want, you can send me an email, Aaron at thefamilyflywheel.com. I'd love to talk to you and help whoever I can. I mean, that's really my goal in writing. This is <laughs> help the next generation be less stupid <laughs> compared to how I was. I get that, sir. You know, and that is, it's needed, you know, because again, parenting does not come with a manual, you know, I mean, your shirt came with some care labels, you know, with a care label and exactly what to do with that. And parenting, they're just like, okay, well, here you go. <laughs> so. that, that was exceptionally the first time I brought my daughter home. My wife had her, and then they, I was just like, they just gave her to us. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Right. And, and so, yeah, I, I love what you're doing and trying to help parents, you know, have the build out the rule book. 
Yes, thank you. And thank you for all that you do. And maybe we could do this again sometime. Sure. Okay. I'd love to. Sounds super fun. Yes, I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> okay. All right. Alrighty, Aaron. Well, thank you so much for giving us such amazing tips. And like I said, this great conversation that could really help parents go out there and do it with confidence.